to be back with you last week. I was away on a priest retreat in Michigan. It was, it was a good retreat. So I wasn't here last Sunday to give the homily, and I wasn't, and I was here the Sunday before, but Deacon Scott gave the homily, so it's actually been three Sundays since I've given a homily, and that feels really weird to me, as if, like, maybe that's the only time in 19, 20 years of being a priest that that's ever been the case with me. It's good to be back. Today, Christ the King. Christ the King is a feast that falls on the last Sunday of ordinary time. So we travel through the liturgical year until we reach the end of it, and the beginning of it is the first Sunday of Advent, which is next Sunday we begin the season of Advent that leads to Christmas. As we go through the liturgical year, we begin with, well, the coming of Christ in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, etc., but the year, year ends with the second coming of Christ, the end of the world as we know it, the new heavens and the new earth and the judgment of the human race. And this is where this gospel passage begins. Jesus says to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. And he goes on to talk about that final judgment of the human race. And he is the one who has the merit and the authority to judge. He is the Word who became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the one God in the Trinity, it was decided that the Word, the second person of the Holy Trinity, would create the heavens and the earth and you and me and all things. And it was to his dominion that the Godhead gave to the Word to be responsible for his creation. And so when Jesus said, let there be the angels, and let there be paradise, and Adam and Eve, and light, and all the other things, he then had a kind of husband-like responsibility for it. And then, of course, it fell in the garden, didn't it? And the Word still had responsibility for his creation. And then the Word, 2,000 years ago, took flesh and dwelt among us in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and we know him as Jesus Christ. And he has revealed to us that he is the Son of the Father. And so God has a Son, but an eternal Son with no beginning, never created by the Father but always there with him and as a son. And the other thing that he's revealed to us is that he's a king that comes up over and over again, Jesus referring to himself as a king. And then throughout the New Testament, the apostles referring to him as a king. And even in the Old Testament, prophesying about the Messiah, the king to come. But he's not a king of this world, as he would explain before Pontius Pilate. He has another kingdom that's far greater than the kingdom of this world far greater than the passing of time and space, an everlasting kingdom. And so today, and this is what the church has been doing for at least the last three Sundays, four Sundays really, explaining to us our responsibility before the king. Remember a couple, this was three Sundays ago, when I preached last and the the king was having His son was getting married. He had a great wedding and a banquet. And he invited the nobility and all of those who should be coming to come. And they wouldn't come. And so he invites the whole town and all of that to come. And those who wouldn't come were punished severely. And then we hear about the ten bridesmaids. And five are ready to meet the king. And five are not ready to meet the king. And today we hear this whole thing about the good who serve God and their neighbor. And the wicked who don't serve God in their neighbor. 
And this keeps getting back to this whole kind of month-long theme of how do you serve a king? I think for most of us, we don't think in terms of serving a king. We just don't. I think some of it comes from our, our democracy mind, our republic mind. Ask not what you can do for your country, but what your country can do for you. Or what you can do for your country, rather. I had that backward. This kind of thing where there is this idea that we elect our kings and our kings serve us. But that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. He created his subjects. And he is so kind and so good beyond our wildest imagination, his goodness. But we owe that king something. We owe him our life and we owe him our servitude. And what he has waiting for us, no eye has seen or ear has heard or mind can conceive of the glory that awaits those who will serve the king. But in this life, we need to serve the king. It's not, well, it's nice to know that there's a king out there. I will keep blowing him off and doing my own thing, and then one day I'll meet him and go into his kingdom. No, he's making it abundantly clear through this gospel, the ten bridesmaids, the people who ignored him and would not come to his son's wedding, etc., that those who do not serve me will not reign with me either. And he is crystal clear about that. But we have it in our mind, well, I'll pray today, or maybe I won't. I'll serve God today, maybe I won't. I'll do whatever I want. Well, there's a price to be paid for that. Getting in particular to this thing that we're going to call sins of omission. In this gospel passage, Jesus is saying, Blessed are all of those who did the following. Gave food to the hungry, thirsty, drink to the thirsty, welcomed strangers, clothed the naked, cared for the ill and those in prison and all that. Blessed are all of those guys. And then he goes on to say, but woe to you who don't give food to the hungry or drink to the thirsty or welcome the stranger or care for the ill or imprisoned because all of those people are me, your king. And if you don't serve them, you're not serving me either. And woe to you. And this is what he says. And these will go off to eternal punishment. Eternity has no end. Has no end. I can't imagine for eternity suffering like that. Because in this life I just didn't care. But this life is over so fast. So fast. It's just a blink of an eye. It's just a blink of an eye. And there's something very special about serving the king. When kings have good servants, people who are like, wow, that guy really stands out. He's really doing for me. He's really great. Or she is really great. And this king can see all things. Can see through walls. Can see into the mind. And understands and knows. When there is somebody who is pleasing the king, the king knows, and the king promotes, and the king rewards, in this life and especially in the life to come. And this king has a way of letting you know that he is grateful in this life. He really, truly does. I'm not so hot about telling my staff members that they're doing a good job. I do say that from time to time. 
I don't probably say it enough, and I wonder, like, well, should I do more? I don't know. But this guy is really good about making sure that those who love him and serve him know it, how much he appreciates them, and then his grace is upon them. So serve this king. Serve this king in this life. If for no other reason than just for purely selfish reason, I want to go to heaven. I don't love God. I don't care about God. It's like that judge who won't get up out of bed, but because that woman keeps knocking and pounding, he's like, oh, even though I don't care about her at all, I'll just do this to get rid of her. Pure selfishness. If just for that reason alone, serve the Lord and go to heaven for eternity. Shine brightly in eternity by serving him in this life, by not being selfish and being motivated for love of God and love of neighbor. And he'll reward you. He'll take you into that kingdom. He'll take you into a fiery chariot into that kingdom, into an amazing, amazing place. But before he takes you there, he'll take you into his heart. And he'll let you know that you mean the world to him. And he'll let you know that you're loved. And he'll bestow his grace upon you.